Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is AEW All Elite Wrestling Unrestricted, the official AEW podcast. Tony Schiavone and my good friend... Aubrey Edwards. Why don't you introduce our guest this week? It's a, it's a very special one for us. Very, very special guest. Uh, this week, I'm excited to have Darby Allen on the show. So Darby Allen, also from uh, my neck of the woods, Pacific Northwest. Uh, he was with Evolve for a long time, I think 2016 through 2018. Big name on the indie circuit. I know he came up to Defy in Seattle a lot. Lucha Libre, AAA, June 2018. Did Darby, you've got like a super, super impressive resume. Very, very happy to have you today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, was wrestling the first thing you did or were there any other, like, I heard maybe you played some sports in high school. Well, I, I grew up skateboarding my whole life and uh, I went to film school, but I'm a film school dropout. So wrestling wasn't the first thing that I did. A, because when I turned 18, I was 120 pounds and I thought, I thought it was like a, impossible for me to uh, go that route. I just viewed it as like people that were, you know, six foot three, 200 and something. So in my mind, I was like, I'm just going to be this like skate guy in film crazy movies. So I moved, went to film school. So what aspiration going to film school, what aspirations of movies did you, did you want to make? Did you have any type of movie you wanted to make horror movies? Didn't matter what uh, documentaries mainly. Just like real life uh, stuff, I was going to make a film based off of Craigslist fetishes. Ooh! Wow! This crazy. uh, So we had some uh, this friend of mine down there that was going to be. We were going to find like ten different Craigslist ads with crazy ass fetishes, and then the friend was going to do each fetish with the person, and we're going to document it and kind of like try to get in the mind of the people who had the fetish of when this fetish started, why they like it. And uh, we got some really crazy submissions and stuff like that. And we were about to do it. But then the friend of mine ended up, uh, well, I wouldn't even call him a friend, to be honest. He was just like, <laughs> he was just a cra- crazy neighbor. Anyways, he, 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 went to, he went to jail and I never saw him again. Did he go to jail because of the documentary or was that unrelated? It was unrelated. He, uh, he tried to break into this person's apartment and beat him up and they locked the door. So they were neighbors. So he went in through the other door, his house, and he's at the apartment complex. He started taking a vacuum and bashing through the wall to try to crawl through the hole and get to the neighbor. But the cops came, and that was the last I ever saw of him. Jeez. All right, so with filmmaking, documentaries, like, is there anything in particular you're working on right now? Not so much documentaries, but more than just, like, a movie. We're making a full-length movie. Ooh. And uh, we haven't started it yet because everything's going, like, hectic right now. And But I have... Uh, I have the um, film crew and everything already ready. They, they, it's based out of Atlanta, this film crew. So they've been working on a lot of projects, but I've already got the screenplay and everything done. And I'm just waiting to uh, pull the trigger on it to start filming. I don't, I don't think fans realize this, but uh, the uh, the videos that are in Dynamite are the ones that you produce yourself, right? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Me and my friend Max Yoder, he's just a skate friend of mine and uh, he films for Thrasher magazine and all these other skate like videos. And he just comes over and we get to it and we edit it, film it, just a two man crew. Yeah. They're really well done. You uh, ever work on any screenplays? Got anything in the, on your computer that you've written? Yeah. 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 I got a full screenplay for my uh, new movie coming up. It's a kind of a dark comedy. And stuff like that. I, I got everything finished on that. And I'm just, like I said, waiting to um, start filming, you know, because I've, I've been planning this video since I dropped out, this movie since I dropped out of film school. I've had this idea in my head forever. And now that I have A, the money, and B, the time and everything like that, I'm just really excited to get after it. Why did you uh, choose to go to Arizona for film school in the first place? Because they had a really good uh, film program that I was going to go to. And I also like Arizona. I was born in Arizona, even though I, I moved to Seattle when I was like super young, but I was actually born in Arizona. But I really wanted to go to Arizona because there's like a lot of good skating at the time, too, that I wanted to, you know, it's like sunny all year round. So I was just like, I'm going to skate and go to film school. In my mind, that was the dream. So you grew up in Seattle and you went, and you went to Arizona uh, to go to film school. And now you live in the Atlanta area now, right? Oh, yeah. What brought you to Atlanta? Well, training in Seattle, as you may know, Aubrey, uh, it's kind of like the black hole of the wrestling community. Like no one's going to fly you from Seattle to Chicago or to New York or, no. you know, to Florida. You'd have to be like already a made man to kind of get that treatment. But uh, I knew like coming up, there's no way people were going to fly my ass. So I decided to move across country to Florida and um in Florida, I ended up coming to Atlanta. Well, it's a cool place to live, Aubrey. <laughs> Even little... though it's East Coast, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I no, don't know, it's it, it's grown it's grown on me. It's grown on me. I was kind of right. like, if someone told me I'd be living in Georgia or Atlanta, I'd be like, "There's no way." Like, I never saw myself doing that. So, uh, sure. But now, but now that I'm here, I love it. Yeah. Do you think you're going to be there long term? Oh yeah, I just. We're buying this house that I have right now, and it's lucky, Sweet. Enough, to, lucky enough to have like 13 acres of land. And, wow, uh, just, that's great! Just, yeah, screw around all day and ride, you know, quads and or four by fours and all these other build skate ramps and do crazy shit. So. It's great, isn't it? I mean, you can shoot your little videos that you do for uh, AEW. It's on your land and everything, right? Yeah, and I got a wrestling ring downstairs. Wow, that was the wrestling ring that was in Lance Archer's promo package. Wasn't it? Yeah, sure was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of advantage that it's like, oh, yeah, Darby's here. We can just use his 13 <laughs> acres and his wrestling ring. This is convenient. <laughs> yeah, I know. Darby, I want to talk a little bit about, about sort of your straight edge lifestyle, because I know that's uh, something that's kind of a really important to who you are as both a person and a performer. How did that come about? Lots of reasons. But, you know, just growing up and having friends, close friends and family members, kind of waste their life on drugs or alcohol. It, was, it kind of sucked to see that they couldn't reach their full potential in life. And then they, they're sitting around waste, like blaming it. Oh, I didn't make it to where I want in life because of alcohol or drugs. And I was sick of hearing these excuses. So I pulled myself a long time ago. If I fail in life, I can't blame it on the alcohol or the drugs. It's going to be hundred percent my fault. And I have no one to blame it on except my own. So, so, and plus, you know, everything with my uncle growing up and all this crap, it's just, it just, uh, I don't know. It just feels right for me. And since I've started with 
wrestling. I haven't taken a pain pill or anything. I don't even take aspirin. And that's a shock to some because of the stuff that I do. All I'd have to credit for is just stretching and like, you know, icing and just eating, like taking care of yourself. Yeah. 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 It's, it's shocking every time I work with you and I'm like, oh yeah, here's just another crazy bump that Darby took and he's totally fine walking around after not dead. (laughs) It's the first time I've heard you, you don't even take aspirin and I'm completely shocked because of the crazy things you do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I just uh, take a lot of ice baths and uh, you know, I have, I have so much like stuff in my house, like uh, for like, rehabbing like with like massage guns and these like shock pads and all this stuff yeah so speaking of pain i know you've been working on your hand tattoo a little bit recently so it's got the the skeleton and whatnot like it's i can't imagine i have a tattoo on my foot and it was the most painful thing i've ever been through <laughs> this this hand tattoo and it's i'm going in tomorrow to keep going up because i'm gonna get my whole half my whole like left side of my body tattooed just so oh that's so that, much because this is where I paint my face on this side. So I, uh, I'm getting it touched up. I'm doing more. But it's like the hand by far is like, it was the weirdest pain. It was like, I sat in that chair for seven and a half hours, just straight to the hand. And I literally like, was like shaking. I couldn't even, I like lost track of where I was. And it was bad. It was really, it was really weird. But it was like the worst pain ever. It's crazy when it's like the worst pain, but you're still willing to just go and keep doing it. <laughs> Yeah. So you are you are getting you are getting like a skeleton on the left side of your body. Is that it? Just the arm, just because I the arm? have yeah, and I, it's probably get, probably go up to the neck and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if I'm going to touch up the face yet. Right, right. The, the straight edge uh, tattoo was that the first one you ever got? On my knuckles, yeah. That's when I was like 17. I got that. Yeah, so you've got that one. You've got the the one on your chest. Nothing's over till you're underground. You've got the relentless. My favorite one, and I, I've heard a couple versions of this story, is the champ one you have on the inside of your lip. Yeah. yeah. How did that come about? Can't really see it right now, but uh, it was just a kind of a commitment to myself to become a champion at one point in my career, and you know, never wanted to be the guy who just sat on his ass and was just happy to be there. It was a thing to be like, yo, like, you know, give me the ball and, you know, I'm never going to give it back type thing. And uh, I felt like AEW has given me the opportunity to kind of show my vision of what I want. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like people, I always knew on the independent circuit, I had what it took to be a big name. I just needed to be given the opportunity. So exactly. Well, you got that now. Now, uh, Darby, you did mention uh, in passing here uh, just a few minutes ago your uncle. It's something that we've talked about on TV. Uh, can you expound on that a little bit? Uh, I actually don't think we've talked about it on TV too much. Yeah, we just we we kind of mentioned it, I guess. Yeah, like there's a Road Two episode on Fighter Fighter Fest, and you know I, I've always wanted that piece to be shown on TV. Uh, I think it would kind of clear up a lot of people's questions of, to why, you know, the face is painted or to why a lot of things are with, you know, myself, but it, it's just when I was five years old and my uncle was drunk driving and I was in the car with him, he uh, crashed the car and he ended up passing away from that. So I um, always wanted to use it somewhere in my life, especially when it came to wrestling. I just never knew how to kind of tell that story on the independent circuit, you know, it was, it was like a weird type thing. So here 
it kind of was a lot easier for me to just tell everybody how it was. And uh, it kind of explains why I paint my face. Because when I first started training, my trainer at the time never wanted me to paint my face. He wanted me to be this like gas station attendant type character. Where I just like, <laughs> come in and I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be a gas station fucking attendant. Like there's no way. <laughs> it's just. Um, That's going to get over well. Yeah, and he, he, they were just like everybody's like, yeah, you can't paint your face. That's too corny. I'm like, no, like, fucking, yeah. I was like, but it's like, no, it actually, there's a proven track record on the indies that goes pretty well. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything, everything ended up working out in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't say. <laughs> so the uh, chest tattoo, nothing is over till you're underground. Does that have to do with your uncle? And yeah, that that's to do with my uncle but it's also to do with people giving up on their dreams or their like goals in life. There's a lot of people that set out to do something and then they say, Oh, well I'm 23. There's no way I can do it now. Like, you know, whatever it may be, but it's crazy because I've known some people that their whole life, they just wanted to be in a Hollywood movie and they ended up getting that big break when they were 60. So if they were 23 and they said it was never going to happen because they felt they're too old at that time, they, and they gave up like nothing's over till you're dead. So you might as well just keep pushing at it and pushing at it and pushing at it. So uh, it's just not being bound by age or, you know, all that stuff. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. All right. Look at DDP. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of the absolutely. quintessential example of DDP. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 35 yeah. years old starting wrestling. Yeah. Look at uh, Tony Schiavone and JR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back on TV again. My God. Farts. Who would have known? Hey, easy. Sorry. <laughs> no. we're, we're talking with Darby Allen, and we talked about uh, him being in film school. And uh, uh, another opportunity comes up, skateboarding, and we're going to talk to Darby about that here next. We're here, AEW Unrestricted, Tony Schiavone, Aubrey Edwards, with our guest Darby Allen today. Uh, we talked a little bit about skateboarding in our first segment, but I wanted to touch on that again. Uh, probably my favorite question to ask people who skateboard is, how many bones have you broken? Uh, let me see. Just from skateboarding alone or just wrestling? Just from skateboarding. Surprisingly, probably only two. My ankle and my foot. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Have you broken more bones in wrestling or skateboarding? Skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've only broken my elbow in wrestling, and that was like a, a freak accident. Some of your skateboarding videos were seen on uh, Tony Hawk's YouTube channel. How did that happen? Um, there's this skate contest in Seattle at the time uh, called All City Showdown, and it's pretty much you've got... Uh, seven hours to film as much crazy stunts skates you know anything you want on a skateboard and then the winner gets all these prizes and i told people for that thing i was going to drop in on this this lightning bolt sculpture in front of the space needle and it's a uh, yeah it's like that big big thing and i ended up uh i ended up going for it and uh thank god someone told me a second second before i walked up there like yo man you might want to put this helmet on <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> if you watch, if you watch the video, I, 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 if I didn't wear a helmet, I wouldn't be here today. Like, I, I don't know how tall that is, like sixteen feet or something like that. But I felt I flew off the side of it and flew straight to my back, and I was coughing up blood and all this stuff. And, uh, and then I ended up just like, you know, next thing I knew, Tony Hawk was interested in buying the clip, and now you know everything works out because that was back in twenty eleven, and now fast forward to now. Uh, Tony Hawk, like he like retweeted the video of me jumping on Janelle's back at All Out in the the thumbtacks with the thumbtack skateboard, and you know now he follows me on Instagram, which is like 
school and stuff like that. So we're um, definitely want to get more like work with Tony kind of come full circle because a lot of things have, it's weird because a lot of things that opened up more when I'm a wrestler than when I was just skateboarding for skate, like with skateboarding. Now I got companies sending me like shoes, boards, clothes. So it's nice. You recently released your own board, didn't you? Yeah. On spinebustermerch.com. Like we had Darby Allen coffin boards with like my uh, cartoon on the bottom of it. And uh, those, those sold out, but we have more coming in uh, stock soon. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those it's a, it's a nice thing. Just these little coffin shaped skateboards, it's something I've always wanted to do. So it's really sick. Coffin shaped skateboards. I love it. Yeah. I do. You can I actually ride them. You know, I made, I, I, posted, <laughs> I posted a video on my Instagram, posted a video on my Instagram of me actually riding it just to show people that you can like do flip tricks and ride ramps with it. So. Right. i talk about your, your involvement on the MTV show. Ridiculousness. Oh yeah, that was another fun thing to make money when I was like super broke. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was super broke, and I would I had my friend was a producer for that show, so she would always send me messages like, "Hey, you know, if you have anything crazy, send it this way." So we kept filming stuff like every day for that, and just you know, you get paid for it, and it it definitely helped out because you know I wasn't making money working at the ninety nine cent store to. Uh, really live <laughs> so um yeah it was cool i've done a lot of crazy stuff for them and um you know aubrey would know the gum wall in seattle oh yeah i hate that gum wall the gum wall in seattle yeah have you not heard about okay. the gum wall no so smart me up on this i'm old. so basically by pike place market where like the first starbucks is and all this kind of stuff right there's this little alleyway you walk down and they literally have it's like all brick building and they just have like chewing gum stuck okay. from like as, as high as people can reach all the way down to the bottom. And pe- it's, it's this, I find it really gross, but people like to visit it. People take their wedding photos in front of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's just gum. They had to actually scrape it all off and like repair the wall. And then immediately within like a week, everyone had refilled it with gum again. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of strangers walking by, chewing their gum and they stick it on the wall and it makes this huge collage of art. But for like, for ridiculousness, I like licked the whole entire wall and ate the side <laughs> off of it. And yep. then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I chewed, I chewed that up and that was, uh, it was fun. I got tested to make sure I didn't have any like diseases because people, <laughs> people would tell me like, after I did it, like it tasted good to be honest. Cause it was like mint, <laughs> but, um, but after oh, I, God. after I did it, everybody's like, you know how much rats piss on that wall or you know how much homeless people like have sex on that wall. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no homeless people. But people kept saying this, like, crazy stuff. It's kind of like, right. and then the next day I woke up and, like, I don't know if it was my mind telling me, like, something was wrong. But I just kept, like, freaking out about it. I'm like, oh, with my mouth. Like, do I got, like, what's going on? So I went to the doctor and, like, no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fine. that was your mind telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, 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 we've talked about uh, skateboarding and we've talked about uh, being on the show and you doing crazy things. You are homeless. You lived in a car for three years by choice. Yeah. Three years in a car. Why? Talk about that. Because uh, it was kind of a, a commitment to myself. Like if I, if I couldn't make something out of this wrestling thing, I never wanted to be able to like sit in a house or have that comfortability. Uh, I wanted to make as much money just in wrestling because I wasn't making any money. I couldn't afford to like have my own place. And I didn't want to be a freeloader who just came to people's houses and like slept on their couch. So I told myself like, 
until I can get on my own two feet and afford something monthly, I am not going to like, I'm just going to like live in my car. And I like, I liked doing it because it made me work so hard. And, uh, you know, like now I have the freedom to maybe like sleep in a couple extra hours if I wanted to, but in that car in the summertime in Atlanta and Tony could, you know, attest to this. Mm. It's like the the humidity is like super crazy. So you'd wake up at seven in the morning and you'd have to be on your feet going. You can't sleep in, in that car and it made you work hard. And you could, right. Uh, so I, I like that feeling of just going, going, going. Like I never like to get comfortable and like, you know, like I said, I don't have Wi-Fi at my house. I don't have a TV at my house right now even. So I know it sounds like kind of weird, but like I just kind of like. It's minimalistic. Try, yeah. I try to be outside as much as possible. Makes sense. So when you're living in your car, what's a typical day look like? Uh, well, you, I parked right at this, uh, there's this hotel and it was right in the city, right? Connected to the Anytime Fitness where I would work out. So I'd park in the parking spot for the visitors. So I'd wake up, go down to the Anytime Fitness, work out. I had my George Foreman grill and that's where I'd cook food in the bathroom. And oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, I'd cook, I'd cook <laughs> my, I'd cook my meal and then I'd go uh, then I'd go probably to Barnes and Nobles and like read like uh, read poetry or some shit, whatever, like at Barnes and Nobles for like, a couple hours and like have a coffee. And then uh, then I would go skate and then I would just like travel around parts of Georgia that I'd never been to. And I just like drive and see where I ended up. And, and I'd always like, you know, I don't know. It was fun. It was lots of fun. So let me get this straight. And uh, Aubrey, you said you heard about this. You you cooked on the George Foreman grill in the bathroom. Is that right? Yeah. The anytime fitness, uh, you just like have the shower water running and then, cause it kind of like takes away some of the smell just cause I don't want people to like smell a whole, like, you know, salmon dinner being cooked in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. The bathroom's have plugs. <laughs> what did your family say about this at that time? I didn't really tell them that much, to be honest. I was just like trying to be like, you know, oh yeah, everything's going good with wrestling. You know, like, don't worry, everything's good. I'm staying at a friend's house. But like, you know, but now like I, now I told them honestly and you know, they just, they just didn't know that much, you know, cause I don't want to tell them that like I'm living in the city in my car, you know, it's kind of sketchy at parts, you know, so it's cool. So I don't know if the timeline lines up, but I know, I think you were homeless living in your car when you met your now wife, Priscilla, who's an awesome independent wrestler on uh, indie scene. Is that, is that yeah. like, how does dating work when you're homeless? Well, when I first start talking to her, her, I just go to concerts and then we'd go sit in my car and then just uh, pretty much just go. I don't know. It was, it was fucking weird to be honest. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, it's just like uh, I don't know. Cause like you can't, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was fun though. We'd go on road trips all the time and like go, go places all the time. And she was cool. Cause she would like sleep in the car too. Oh, it works. Yeah. Trooper. That's tremendous. Now you, uh, WWE approached you to, uh, invite you to come down at the performance center. Talk about that a little bit for us. So, the, uh, back then a couple, um, they messaged, they asked me if I was interested in coming down. And at the time I was like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm too good for it, but I was already like, yo, like you either want me or you don't, I'm not going to try out for this because you already know what I can do. 
based off yeah. the, com- the company I was wrestling for. They worked so close with WWE and I was already wrestling all their wrestlers like, uh, you know, Chris Hero or, you know, Velveteen Dream or, you know, all these people. So I'm like, you already know what I can do. I'm not just going to sit here and, you know, that they want you to do the dog and pony show. Well, that and the tryouts, like the people I see get tryouts. It's such a joke. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just like, right. I'm not going to sit here and be this clown who like either tell me, but then I, then I thought about it. I was like, fuck, I don't even want to go there anymore. And then that's when, uh, I started talking to Cody more and more. And I told him like, look, I see the writing on the wall. I ain't going to play this game where I go there and be a cruiserweight 205 live person. Like I ain't playing that game because then my body of work, my art, my promos will never see the light of day. And then that's when, that's where I was like, I'm not playing these games with these people. Like there's a thousand people there and you forget they even exist half the time. And I don't, I, I'm not going to be locked in a performance center. So I was like, I'm not doing this. I'd rather, you know, so I made a, made that very clear to Cody and, you know, the rest is history. Right. Uh, when, uh, on the independent circuit there, obviously you're very, very popular in, uh, to the fans in AEW and rightfully so. I mean, you've earned it. What they see is what they get. But on the independent circuit, uh, you not you didn't always have a such positive reaction to some of the things that went on. Can you talk about that? Yeah, a lot of times I feel like I got pigeonholed, and you know, right. kind of just obviously to a degree, it's my own damn fault because I started wrestling in a year or so, and I I moved out of Seattle about a year and a half, two years. I moved out of Seattle. The, start wrestling all over the indies so i was kind of learning as i was going i i wasn't ready to like really you know i didn't even know how to put a match together to be honest i was just going out there and i knew to separate myself i'd have to like do some crazy crazy stuff so that's what i ended up doing but that's why i was so strict on myself with living in the car because as i was living in the car i was training every day in a ring because i never wanted to be comfortable with being the crash test dummy and uh so, like, obviously, I like doing crazy stuff, given my history of skateboarding. So, yeah, right. You know, but the thing is, it's fun. But there's a difference from it being fun and you wanting to do it. To compare, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I never want to have to do anything. Love that. So I I want it to. Uh, it's just a lot of people. You, you go into the independence and sometimes they expect you, you get to the building and they'll tell you, Oh, yo, by the way, like we have this idea for you to jump off this balcony tonight. And I'm like, Whoa, like if I wanted to, that's one thing. But if you tell me to do it, like go fuck yourself. Like I'm not playing your games. Right. Right. And then I, I just saw like, you know, as much as I was getting beat up on the Indies and then you would like check your social media and like half of these matches that you do, they don't get released till another year and a half or something. And I was like, what's the deal? Like, just release it for free on YouTube and get more eyes. You're not going to be a millionaire having your little indie show get uh, nine, like that $10, like monthly subscription. No one gives a fuck. So mm-hmm. it's like, just release it for the wrestlers. Like, help them out. Like, so people can see their body of work and see the light of day. I was sick of waiting Thank for you. my matches to get released. And they, I was getting pissed off because I, I felt like I'd, like, what's the point of kill myself if it's going to be released next, like, you know, next year, like, I, I don't see the point in that. So I had a, like, it was a love hate relationship with a lot of independence. But. 
All right, Darby, coming up, we're going to hear about how you, Darby Allen, got into AEW. We're here with Darby Allen talking about uh, all of his skateboarding past, his movie-making past, his skateboarding current and movie-making current. Uh, you, you touched on a little bit about how Cody was the one that you got in contact with for AEW. Can you talk a little bit about how that all came to be and sort of your journey into AEW? Yeah, I heard from a friend that Cody was asking what the deal with me was. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> No, but, you know, I, I, I had a match with Pentagon Jr. at Northeast Wrestling on one of their uh, more bigger shows. And that was actually, I feel like, one of the, the first matches where I kind of held my own, so to speak, and wasn't really so much, uh, you know, just out there doing a stunt only, you know what I mean? So I, I put a lot into that match, and I was um, training for that particular match probably for a good two months just with like a friend where i'm like all right you're gonna do all pentagon's moves to me and i'm gonna like try to find all these reversals out of them and just like really put a lot of thought into that match because those opportunities didn't come often to have big matches like that you know i've wrestled like um so cody ended up seeing that match and then he was asking you know some people about me and then um you know i met cody a long time ago but when he first met me i was just the crash test dummy you know what i mean so it's like oh there's the darby guy I, all he would say is like hey please don't die tonight that's like the only conversation i really had with him <laughs> but uh i think that's all i say to you at work <laughs> yeah but uh it just it worked ended up working out with this pentagon match i remember that was kind of a game changer for sure and then uh, I just kept messaging Cody and telling him like my, you know, goals and like what I want out of everything. And, and just, I knew AEW was the place for me, you know, and because uh, if I, if I fail, it's kind of my own fault here because I, I've gotten so much creative freedom. If people don't like it, then, you know, it's like, Hey man, you got to take a step back and your shit's not working. So, but here it's like, I knew I was going to have a fair chance. So that's where, uh, yeah, just talked to Cody and got the ball rolling. And, you know, I think uh, he wanted to prove a point with people, with me. That's why we, my first match here was against Cody. How was that for you? Because I know for me, it was, it was one of, it's my favorite match to date. It was good. I, I really thought what I wanted out of it, I got out of it. But going into it, there was a lot of like, all right, man, it's, uh, you got to show these people because first impressions are everything. That's why, like that match, I went like you know, hundred miles, kind of like I do every, kind of like I do every match, but like particularly that match, <laughs> that match, I knew I had to like get a lot out of it, um, because if I'm in that ring with Cody, for example, and and I shit the bed, everybody's going to be like, "Yo, this, you put faith in this guy to wrestle you, you know, like, come on, get out of here." I remember match planning that day. Cody comes to me and goes, "So I don't know if you know, but Darby's really fast." I'm like, I, I have a rough idea. I think we're good. <laughs> uh, Darby, and then Chris Jericho's impact on your career. He wanted you to bring the skateboard to the ring. You wrestled him on television. Uh, where do you rank wrestling Chris Jericho on television and, and moving your career forward? That was a big step. Um, that was huge because that was week three of TV. Yep. Right. And for the whole company, and especially Jericho, because he obviously has a lot of say in who he's going to want to wrestle. It's not just going to be like, yo, we're going to have you wrestle 
some random person. He's going to be like, if it's the main event on Dynamite, I he's got to like, you know, sign up for it too. So sure. like the thing is for them to have a commitment in me week three to be in that spot on national television was a uh, huge. So that was validation for hard work. And uh, it, it definitely helped because it put me in that stratosphere of I can actually hang with these main event guys. And actually I don't look out of place in the main event because I would think I did more than enough to, you know, show my, show my like you know, toughness that night, especially with the hands behind the back spots. And oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you've done so many great things, but to me, the match of Revolution against Sammy Guevara was, oh. was the best one. I, I, the best one that I've called. Put it that Money. way. Yeah, yeah, that match. Sammy and me are a lot alike. And when I said that uh, last week on the promo, like you, like look, look at me face to face. We're like, you'll see yourself because we came from the same Indies. We can't. We like had the same stories. We had the same struggles. Uh, with whatever it may be of wanting to just like, you know, take it to the extra mile. And he's crazy just like me. And uh, so I knew going into that match, give us the ball in that fucking match. Like this, this is going to just, you know, that's why right away I knew I had to do something different. That's why I jumped him from the start because I wasn't going to go in there, especially after he like smashed my throat with the skateboard. I wasn't going to go in there and just wait for us to like lock, lock up. I just wanted to like rip him apart. So I think that's still, that, that, uh, yeah, it was a super fun match. I liked it. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of coaches, uh, in AEW, Dean Malenko being one of them who is uh, grumpy, old curmudgeon, doesn't <laughs> seem to like anything at all, but he really likes you. And, and I know that from a fact, cause Dean and I have ridden together and he always puts you over about how, about well, not only how hard you work, but uh, how your matches are. And has he given you a lot of advice since he started? You guys have started together. Yeah, I remember the night I wrestled Pac at Bash at the Beach. He was the agent for that match, and just picking his brain and uh, just on the little thing, like the little tiniest things. That I can't, I can't get enough of that. Like that's my favorite right. thing to do is go up to guys like. Dean or you know Jim Ross or yourself or Taz whoever it may be like and just get like little tiny like just talk to you guys about oh I'm gonna do this in this in the match and just like kind of hear your guys's like thought or input on things but uh with guys like Dean I I just want to learn as much because I don't know what it is but I I've been watching him like forever his stuff from Japan or WCW or whatever uh, of his. And I, there's something about that type of wrestler to me. They seem so professional. And so like, I don't know how you like say it. They just seem like, and like a class to their own. They seem, mm-hmm. it's like, it's crazy because they seem so just talented. It's, it's like insane to me, like watching like just the footwork and, you know, like every little thing means so much, like such so snappy, kind of like, you know, like dynamite kid or something. So right. I really like that. And I feel like to me, a lot of, I don't know, I feel like a lot of like with younger guys on the Indies, like I kind of want, I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel like there's that type of wrestler anymore. I haven't seen anybody like, you know, back in like Dean and that everybody like Eddie and everybody was it just doesn't seem like there's that much young guys 
like that anymore. And I don't know if it's because social media is giving people, you know, you get kind of more popular pretty fast with social media on for wrestling. So I don't know if people aren't, aren't working as hard or what it is, but uh, that's just my thought on it. I just, I don't know if people like just don't work that hard because they have one match and someone sees a gif of them doing something crazy. And then they get all gifts. They get booking, <laughs> they get bookings off this one match and th- then they don't have to like, Oh, I don't have to train anymore. I don't have to train anymore. Uh, I'm already a made man because someone saw my six thirty online or something like that. I'm getting this, but to me, wrestling is just like any other spe- uh, professional sport. They're not going to stop training in the NFL. They're not going to stop training in the NBA. That's why I got a ring. That's why I got a ring downstairs at my house. I always train. I always want to get better. I always want to think of different ways. And uh, just treating this as the the sport it is, and you know, you just bust your ass. I don't know. Well, would that be the hallmark of relentless being the tattoo on your back? Back your neck? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah, like yeah. we we had that training session with Malenko down here in Atlanta a couple of months okay. ago, and I remember just like you know, I, I sound I know it sounds very selfish, but like I just kind of I'm like, yo, come to my house and let's just roll <laughs> around downstairs and like just uh, sh- shoot the shit in the basement. And I I really just wanted to. I don't know. Like I could sit for hours. I, I just want to get better. And there's like, I, sometimes I just feel like I, I need to get better and I can't, I don't know. It's just weird. Well, you know, you're, you're obviously getting better and obviously the fans take note. Tell you just a, a quick story. My oldest son, Matt, who's 37, lives in New York city, uh, is a big wrestling guy, big time, watches everything. And after the revolution match, he sent me a text. He said, Darby Allen's the best guy you got. Ooh. And, and so, and and listen, it's not uh, he's not a casual wrestling fan. He's big time. So <laughs> the, the fan reaction to you has now been, and I'm just giving you that as an example of how the fan reaction to you has been tremendous. Uh, and you have to appreciate that. What does that mean to you? It means a lot because in my mind, I know like in my mind, I still feel like the Darby who is working at the 99 cent store. So like having people, you know, get this reaction, I'm like, damn. It's like weird because it's just surprising that everything happened so fast, if that makes sense. Like, and uh, obviously like I put the work in, but like, I just, to have those people like give a damn is all you could ask for. Yeah. Well, you're one of the guys when the music hits, the fans pop. I know we got the video board, so they know who's coming out, but it's your music that they know it now. You know, I mean, that used to be in the day. When you would hear Hulk Hogan's music or the Road Warriors music, people would pop. Now they hear Darby Allen's music and they'll go crazy. Do, do you know? I noticed that from sitting out there. Do you notice that? I always expect the worst. I know it sounds crazy, but I heard this, I heard this old story of Ozzy Osbourne. Henry Rollins was standing next to Ozzy Osbourne and Ozzy was about to go out and Ozzy was like, panicking like just pacing back and forth and henry rollins went up to him and said what's wrong he's like the people are they gonna care tonight he's like, of course they're gonna care tonight you're fucking ozzy osbourne like so like <laughs> not not saying i'm ozzy osbourne but just saying like i always expect the worst you know it's, it's, right. it's like weird it's just like habit like i'm like all right they're gonna like is it gonna like, but like the biggest reaction that surprised the hell out of me was atlanta when i came out with uh, the skateboard to help uh, Moxley with the whole group of the inner circle. And Jeff Cobb was out there. I remember right. that that was insane to me because everyone in the back's like, Oh, he's just a hometown boy. 
They're like, wait, wait, wait. He, he lived in Seattle his whole life. He's not a hometown boy. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> so, You're a transplant to Atlanta. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was, that was insane. Well, it's, uh, it's your drive that makes you what you are. I mean, it really is. If you think about this, you always want to better yourself. You always want to get better. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and I, and I always think the great ones in the sport, in any sport, in any vocation want to do that. So consider yourself one of those and never, never fault yourself by saying, boy, I'm too hard on myself or I'm a defeatist. Nah, that's the way you are. And that's why you, you've come so far, as you've said so quickly. I know you and I worked together a little bit on MLW and I saw some of the crazy things you did and I went, holy shit, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And, you know, I, I would always talk to you about, Darby, got to take care of yourself. And every time I see you do something crazy, I'm thinking, I hope that kid's okay because you got a great <laughs> career ahead of you, man. You really do. What's been uh, the most challenging thing about doing matches on television compared to just doing them on the independent circuits? I mean, you're talking about millions of people now. You're talking about having to work to the cameras as, as well. What's been the most challenging thing? The most challenging thing to me is just the timing of everything and being like, when you put a match together now and not wanting to, you got to like, space it out more because you don't want to give anything away during the commercial unless like that's the point you know but like right. the, thing, the thing is um it's just like pacing the match i remember the first uh night i was on tv was against jimmy havoc on episode two of dynamite and i remember the ref's headset wasn't working and i did this like we were doing we went, we went to all our craziest stuff like when we were on commercial and I, the ref's like the, the headset, it's broke. It's broke. And I'm like, all right, well here, uh, I, I, it's just like that, that type of stuff's like crazy to me. Right. But it's fun though. I really like, uh, the, I really like the challenge and I, I love playing to the cameras. That's like my favorite thing. It's just like, you know, it's storytelling. Find, finding the camera. Yeah. Finding the camera. And like, you know, because I, I watch wrestling now and then just like these moments when I watch like older wrestling in the moments where like they just get a close up of someone's face after like something, it just like, it hits so much more to me than, yeah. you know, so. What's been your favorite moment in AEW so far? Uh, I'd either say like for me or just the whole company as itself. I mean, for you. Uh, I'd say, I'd say uh, probably my debut, either my debut or wrestling Jericho. Like, those those two things, just because, like I said, it's validation that they have faith right. in you. They have that faith in you to be like, here, you, you want to talk this game about wanting this opportunity. You've got this opportunity to show us what the hell you got. And I always mm-hmm. like that. So tell us how uh, you came up with the name Darby Allen. Well, Darby is from Darby Crash. He he died. Of, uh, he's an old punk rock singer. He's he like he's dead now. Mm-hmm. He killed himself. And then. Uh, Allen is from Gigi Allen. He's another punk rock singer who uh, he's dead now. But uh, I'm seeing a trend. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good one. <laughs> no, but the thing is, the reason I like those those names is because it's kind of ironic because I'm straight edge and they both died with like drug related issues. Right. But, like, the thing is, they are such captivating people. You get so like enthralled in their personalities and you remember them forever. And I just remember them like growing up and the big thing about it a lot of people don't know is the that movie the joker for example that just came out that todd phillips directed his first ever film was a documentary on Gigi allen where he followed Gigi allen around and uh 
Gigi Allen did the craziest things. And Todd Phillips, a lot of people think the Joker is kind of based off of Gigi Allen. So uh, it's just like, you know, picking into the human brain is an interesting thing. So what's next? Uh, just uh, continuing to get better? Is that it for you? you yeah. Know, every day, seemingly like, right? Yeah, continue to get better. And uh, just within wrestling, just getting that main event on a pay-per-view is, to me, I feel like it's the next step that I need. Right. And then uh, life term, life goal-wise is just film this movie and finish my skate video that I've been working on, which is another thing that's kind of challenging because I've been filming a skate video and it's so hard because I can't risk to get hurt. <laughs> but I want to show people that like I still like very passionate about skating and the skateboarding that I'm doing on TV isn't a money grab. I'm not trying to like cash in on the industry of skateboarding. I'm actually a very passionate skateboarder and I really care a lot about it. You know, it made me who I am today. And my goal is just to film one more escape video part, which is craziness. And I've been going on trips and stuff like that, getting these tricks. But it's it's really hectic. Try not to, like, get hurt. Right. Jeez. And, you know, we uh, we were – things were working so well in the 2020 and big crowds. And then the coronavirus hit and we're all, you know, kind of shut in. It, did that slow you down at all as far as working out and continuing to drive towards your craft? No. Uh, because I'm very fortunate enough to have this ring downstairs and the skate stuff, And I, I've been able to, I have a gym that I go to, like a private gym that I go to like 30 minutes from my house. And mm-hmm. uh, very, very fortunate to have all that stuff during this time. Because if I didn't have all that, I would definitely be going like crazy. So we got a lot of uh, positive things. Darby, you've been a sensation, buddy, and I'm glad to be here for the ride. And uh, hopefully that uh, this will continue for you because you've obviously we knew this before you told us all this stuff that you've worked very hard and you're very driven and determined. So we appreciate you talking to us. It's incredible to see everything you did on the Indies and then just seeing it like pay off week after week. It's awesome, man. Great job. Shout out to Chris Ross. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> our, th- our, our thanks to Darby Allen. A reminder to subscribe to the AW Unrestricted Podcast because you can subscribe for free wherever for you free. get your podcast. For That's free. right. For free. free. That's right. And don't forget, AW Dynamite each and every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at 7 Central, only on TNT. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. For Darby Allen, thanks for listening, everybody, to AW Unrestricted. Unrestricted.